Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the original Loretta Brown Show, radio to open the heart, heal the soul, ha, and awaken the consciousness. Benny, it's stormy. I don't know. It is. Stormy it's going to be a weather. wet day today, but don't worry. The weekend's looking good. It's going to dry things up just in time for Halloween. I sound. I know. I know. So, what what do people do for Halloween these days? You know, I'm I'm from a different generation. Uh, what what happens? Do kids dress up or? Yeah, I mean, I still have ten year olds. I have twins, and so they are still ready to go. They've got their empty bags waiting at the door intently <laughs> to like release the fury. You know, like they really like. Are, they really are like they ten? They're yeah, not the, ten. Be, yeah, the boys will be eleven in January. Oh. Every time I talk to you, I, I remember them babies, oh, I little know. little tiny binkers. I know. Well, anyway, <laughs> I got to change how I talk about them. Right? Are they as tall, tall as you now, or what's going Man, on? Man, I wish. <laughs> <laughs> I want them to. I mean, I'm six one, so it's like if they even become close to that, I'm gonna be so happy. That's wonderful. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So anyway, anyway, I hope everybody's having a mm-hmm. good morning. Uh, always stay safe out there and warm and dry. I'm I'm Loretta Brown. I'm the o- owner of <laughs> Reiki Oasis, located right here in the greater Seattle area for the last oh, 27 years or thereabouts. I do. I am teaching Reiki. I have a Reiki 2 class coming up the second Saturday in November. And uh, you have to have taken Reiki 1 to take this class. But I have all kinds of people stepping forward right now. Um, my my guides and angels told me a couple of years ago that we are going to need more and more healers through the next years and so if you are being called to do that reiki is a great um it's a great all all around thing but it's also a great stepping stone for people to get into so if you're interested in studying reiki you can go to schedule.reikioasis.com and sign up and and uh, we'll get you all trained up um i also have um what else do I have coming up? Let me look here. I've got uh, Sunday meditation with Loretta every Sunday at 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. If you cannot be there at 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time on a Sunday, sign up and I will send you a recording of the meditation. It's really just a way to, you know, at least once a week, try to stop and just, ah, just stop and tune in. And of course, we want to get to where we do that all the time you know should live your life from a higher place that's some really good spiritual customer service you provide there loretta good for you thank you that's awesome thank you yeah thank you we do what we can because there's just one of me and lots of lots of views out there use (laughs) yeah use (laughs) that's you with an s yeah oh i heard it (laughs) there's lots of views out there um anyway (laughs) not the other one Anyway, um, th- I am a listener-supported show, and thank you to my listeners who help support us. You can go to patreon.com slash the Loretta Brown Show and uh, become part of the community. I want to do a little check-in with astrology because October 31st is this coming Sunday. It is not only the last day of October, it is what we call Halloween, and it's also what's called a cross-quarter day. Now, Halloween gets its roots from a pagan festival called Samhain. It's a time to honor death, rebirth, and our loved ones who have passed. But Halloween is also what's called a cross-quarter day, meaning it is the midway point between the fall equinox and the winter solstice. So in 
in, you know, Salween or Halloween uh, is celebrated from October 31st till November 1st because it was believed on 11-1 spiritual activity was at its highest. This was due to the rising of the Pleiades, which would reach their highest point in the sky during this time of year in the Northern Hemisphere. The Pleiades are said to represent the cycles of death and rebirth, and this coincided with the cycles and rhythms of Mother Nature. The veil between the living and the dead is also said to be thinnest due to the sun's position in the deep and intuitive sign of Scorpio, which we entered last week. And Scorpio is a sign also connected with transformation and rebirth. And so um, it was just traditional that at this time of year, there was a lot of celebration. celebration. And uh, it's also a time to honor the fact that we as spiritual beings never die. Instead, we live on in different forms and in different ways. So we continually recreate ourselves through the cycles of life and death and i always think maybe we should just look at that as like there is no death we'll talk more about that with my guests i can't wait to hear everything he has to say and then like i said we are going from october 31st to 11 1 and that is a numerology of 111 111 that's 11 1 is an angel number of protection divine intervention and angelic support it can indicate that our guardian angels and our, our dearly beloved loved ones that are passed on are protecting us or sending us a message. And we can also look at the number code of 111 as three pillars representing this world, the next world, and the state in between. It can indicate a new chapter in our lives is beginning. Also, for all of you romantic people out there, October 31st also has Venus. <laughs> the goddess of love and Juno, the goddess asteroid of marriage and soulmates conjunct in Sagittarius. And this is beautiful energy for all matters of the heart. We may feel a stronger desire to connect to those around us, or we may notice that our hearts are being activated to open to a greater love. Hmm. I was talking to a couple of people earlier this week, my clients and you know, we've all had heartache and heartbreak and what do we do with that, right? So it's a journey. Both Venus and Juno traveling together in our cosmic skies may also shine a spotlight on our relationships and a deeper truth that radiates from the deepest longings of our hearts. And so what is your heart's desire? If you listen deeply, especially in the coming days, you may just come to realize a higher truth. I'm also noticing that with many of my clients that the deep desire of their heart is to help or to serve and they are feeling like they want to do something a little different in their lives. So let's move forward into November. We'll be moving into eclipse season, which is going to bring a bunch of endings to things. And so I'm telling everybody, hang on, because we are the whole year has been building up to the last few months of this year, which are setting the stage for the new world that we are stepping into. And we are the ones we've been waiting for. <laughs> I don't know if that's good or bad, Betty. I hope it's good. <laughs> I hope yeah. so too. Yeah, me too. Anyway, all my talk about Samhain and Halloween, celebration and honoring of cycles and death and life is the perfect introduction 
for my guest today, Dimitri Moraitis. Dimitri is the co-founder and the co-spiritual director of Spiritual Arts Institute in Encinitas, California. He is an illumined, yeah, illumined metaphysical teacher, healer, and co-author of numerous bo books with Barbara Martin. And we will be discussing his newest book, which just came out, Heaven and Your Spiritual Evolution, A Mystic's Guide to the Afterlife and Reaching Your Highest Potential. Wow. Welcome to the show, Dimitri. Well, hi, Loretta. Thank you so much for having me on. Oh, I yeah. know. Look what I have for the we people. We got to get you this one. Yeah. I know. I, 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 I got to tell you, I got a, you know, one of those. A galley. You got yeah. the galley. Yeah. And, and, and I went, oh, I don't know. And then here, for those of you on live YouTube or watching it, the cover is beautiful. Yeah. This is a beautiful book. I um, stayed up late trying to. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I actually wanted to finish it all. It's going to go right next to my bed because I love this book. I, I just love this book. It was a labor of love to write it. And, uh, you know, it is decades of, of experience with Barbara's clairvoyant studies. And, oh, my God, yes, the illustrations. We worked with an oh. illustrator. His, his life, he worked with another clairvoyant, Flower Newhouse, and, you know, he spent his adult life basically doing these depictions of the inner world. So when we were working together, we would give him the scenarios and he would, he did this brilliant job of getting in tune with it all. So it's, they're, they're also hanging in our office and our training center, they're full they? oil paintings, no, no Photoshop, you know, the old master's way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm thrilled. I was just so thrilled by this book. You know, sometimes I pick a book up and there's an energy to it. And this one was like uh, goosebumply and, and good stuff for the listeners. You know, people know I'm that way. Right. Uh, but I literally, you know, I do this thing. I just flipped it open and I flipped right to, to the page with this, this oh, beautiful yeah. and appealing. Yeah. yeah. I have had these visions for such a long time, especially sleeping that yeah, I go yeah. go places. Yeah. Oh boy, that's a part of the book, as you know. Yeah. We're busy and, while we sleep sometimes. <laughs> uh -huh. Yeah. 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 Great. So, can you give us a little background about yourself? Yeah, and I have to talk, of course, about Barbara as well. So, um, uh, well, first of all, the book is part of a series of books that we've been writing on, on what we're calling the Seven Spiritual Arts. So we've done one on, on the aura, on healing, on karma and reincarnation, on the angels and the hierarchy. And then this one is the big picture. What does it mean to actually grow spiritually? What is the other side like? And how do you evolve through all those different dimensions of life? And that's what this is about. Now, I began my journey oh, years ago. Um, I actually started my career in film and television. I was going to be a movie maker. And I was very creative. I was also a pianist. But I was having these, I didn't even know what metaphysics was at that point. I didn't have a word for it. But I was having these, I call them my inspirational moments. And they were very elevating, kind of consciousness changing. But again, I just thought I was being inspired. Um, but they got so strong at one point, it, it, it was a, my awakening, it was my spiritual awakening. I call it my Saul in the road to Damascus moment because it was dramatic. But I still didn't quite understand what it was. 
And then when I realized, oh, this is metaphysics, I couldn't get enough of it. And I was in LA at the time. There's a lot of, you know, PRS was there. There's a lot of metaphysically oriented people there. So I was in a good place for it. About a year later, I was invited to a dinner party. This woman was doing a meditation and it was Barbara. It was the first time I meditated. And that was it. You know, after talking to her, I thought we were having inspired conversations. She says I was interrogating her. But, <laughs> but basically, when I realized she was talking from her own experiences, especially stuff like the other side, I said, this is the one I got to study with. Because she helped me understand what I was experiencing. And then she also gave me language and training. We found out very quickly that we were both also writers. And we started writing pretty fast. And then after a while, at that point, Barbara's teachings were all inspirational and we had lots of, you know, notes, but there were no books, there were no manuals. And so we got to organize all this. So we started the Institute and then we started systematically writing the books. Um, now, Barbara, I have to talk about her because we could do the whole show just on her. Um, so she, you know, she was born basically seeing the aura from age three. She started to see it. She didn't understand what it was as a little kid. This was depression era, right? And um, there were no books or no nothing. I mean, it was not known out there at all. She said, I knew I was attracted to people that had pretty colors around them. And I was kind of repelled to people that didn't have those colors. Uh, and then she also started to have these simple out-of-body experiences of being taken to the other side. She said, I knew it wasn't dreaming. I also knew I wasn't dying. I wasn't afraid. They were taking me to these pleasant places. And it was just, even as a kid, she knew this was certainly not the only world there is. Uh, at 11, she was in a theater group. And the, the, the owner, the leader of it, called her in privately one time and said, basically, you can see the aura, can't you? And Barbara's mouth dropped. She said, oh, my God, is that what it's called? She didn't even have a name for it. And the woman said, oh, I'm a, I'm, I can see the aura, too. I'm a hermetic scientist, my mother, grandmother, they're all hermetic scientists, and I want to teach you about your gifts, and she did. She started teaching her how to interpret the aura to understand some of these clairvoyant gifts. Years later, when Barbara came to California during the golden age of Hollywood, um, she met another clairvoyant, very developed soul, and this woman basically said, you know, you're going to go on the lecture platform, you're going to go in the public, you're going to teach, you're going to... Again, this is before even curling photography. So to say I want to do a lecture on the aura, you might as well say, you know, <laughs> we're going to planet Pluto. <laughs> you know, but that's exactly what happened. And she trained her and then the career started. And um, you know, she's truly one of the pioneers. Um, it is so nice after all these years of working together to see metaphysics blossoming. It's it's becoming, it's turning into a different. Well, I want to. It's almost like a different age of it, and the Renaissance is maturing, and things like meditation and yoga and energy healing. These are not strange, fringe things. These are more mainstream, and that's the result of decades of of slow, steady integration. And I'm just really delighted to even be talking about you with this today, because as you know, this to do this even now, you know, years ago would have been unthinkable. So we're in a different time now. Yeah, and and here we are. We're on the radio, right? Yeah, exactly. The airwaves going on across. the airwaves. <laughs> I know. It's I, really exciting because people want to. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of crazy stuff going on right now, and you need to orient yourself. If you have a spiritual foundation, nothing in this world can 
topple you over, you know, because you have something that's beyond this world. So you need that spiritual foundation more than ever today. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And and you hit on a point that I wanted to make sure we brought out today. So yeah, and, and the book, Heaven and Your Spiritual Evolution. Yeah. Right, um, right. <clears throat> so what is heaven? Where is heaven? Okay, well, that's... <laughs> so we're getting into deep waters right off the bat. Um, well, let's, let's talk about it in a couple of ways. First of all, we do have to think of heaven as an actual place. So it is not uh, just a wonderful idea. It's not just a hope that there's something there is, you can actually literally go there. Now, interesting, in the ancient days, this was a big debate. Well, how do you go there? Do you go there in your physical body? Do you go there, you know, it was hard for people to understand that you may have a non-physical body. That's why there was such a big deal about the resurrection idea. And, and why even now, some religious practices say don't cremate the body because there was this ancient belief the body would literally get resurrected again. So heaven is an actual place, but it's also a state of consciousness. Mm -hmm. So we need to be in the, in order to go to heaven, we have to be in the heavenly consciousness now, not when we die. You know, we're not going to become saints when we die if we haven't been saints here. You're not like a completely different person on the other side. You're very similar to the way you are here. And then third, we have to think of it as the process of getting there. As, as you know, Loretta, in the first chapter in the book, we say it's, you don't go to heaven, you grow to heaven. Heaven is an evolutionary process. It's a maturing process. So just like going, if earth is a schoolhouse, we can think of every lifetime on this earth as like a grade in school. And slowly we're refining ourselves, improving, maturing ourselves till we eventually become citizens of those beautiful heavenly realms. Now, some think, well, is heaven like you're on clouds and you're playing harps all day long. And, you know, it sounds boring a little bit, you know? <laughs> you know, but think of it the opposite way. The higher up you go, the spiritual ladder, the more creative, the more expressive, the more powerful you become, the more loving. You're more of everything the higher up you go. So in heaven, it's incredibly creative there. It's incredibly expressive. You are incredibly active and doing things. It is the most exciting place you could ever imagine. So when we are here in our physical bodies, right? Mm -hmm. um, and, and I'll just reflect back and you, you go with it. Um, so here, while we're here, we're working on getting to that level where we're in heaven and, and it begins with our consciousness. And then when we get to heaven, we continue. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what, <laughs> what graduates us into heaven and what, let's talk about that. Cause we're at this living level of life. And of course we want to know what heaven is all about, but talk a little well, bit more yeah, about how yeah, that works. Well, so yeah. if I were to ask um, 20 people in spiritual work, what does it mean to grow spiritually? I probably would get 20 different answers. Um, now, we know what it's like to go from a child to an adult. There are definite stages of growth. You know, some like to measure themselves, right? Oh, this year I was this high, and then two years later, I'm two inches higher. You know, we, we, we understand that. But in spiritual work, growing spiritually means is exactly what you're just saying, literally evolving through the dimensions of life. 
The other side isn't one place. It's many places. In my father's house are many mansions. And they're actual places to go to. And they're also states of consciousness. So you and I and everybody listening right now is literally this minute vibrating energetically to a certain level of consciousness that corresponds to a realm on the other side. So if I were, let's say, to die today, it was my time to go home today, I'd take the light I have today, and that would carry me to the place on the other side of earned the right to be. It's not really reward or punishment. It's like attracting like. So let's say if I burn 50,000 watts of power, let's just, you know, example, I will go to the realm on the other side corresponding to that, not 20, not 100, 50. So the key, mm. the most important thing you can do on this earth is to earn divine light. That is your passport to eternity. The light of your auric field is fueling your entire evolution. So the most precious thing you possess is your divine light. Okay, that that raised questions because I'm and I love to ask questions. Yeah, yeah. Um. So, how do we how do we increase that divine light? Okay. All right. So, first of all, we do have to realize we have this magnificent auric field. We have this power, and it's not like one color or two colors. It's 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 more your or our auric field is more intricate than our physical body because we are multifaceted beings. Now, you earn light in two very basic ways. One, we've been doing from the beginning of time, and that's with every good word, thought, act, and deed. So every positive thing that you are doing is building up your aura. Now, sometimes we say, well, you know, I did all that, and I didn't get anything for it, and no one even gave me a thank you. You know, I mean, I'm sure parents feel this sometimes with their kids. You know, I do a lot for these kids. They're not really telling me anything, but it's building up your auric field. It's building up your powers. So don't wait for that gold star or that pat on the back. Keep doing good. Have your integrity. Look at every spiritual tradition in the world talks about conduct of living, whether it's the golden rule, the Ten Commandments, the Eightfold Path of Buddha. All of that is talking about how you live your life. If you're going to church on Sunday and cheating your partners on Monday, that is not living a spiritual life. You have to walk your talk. There's just no other way around it. That is building up your auric field. Now, another way is sort of Max Heidel used to, the Rosicrucian mystic used to talk about sort of the accelerated path, the, the path of the initiate, the straight and narrow. That's where if you've had this awakening, by the way, everybody's growing, right? It doesn't matter if you believe in metaphysics or spirituality or God or not. If you're living the life, that's what counts. There are, there are those that do not call themselves spiritual that are, in fact, more spiritual than those who say, oh, no, I live a very spiritual life. You know, the word doesn't necessarily mean that's what you're doing, right? Right, right. But if you have had the higher calling, and please, it's really the ground thing of the book. If you've had the higher calling, follow it. It's not accidental. It's God knocking on your door. Do something about it. Because then you can accelerate your path. And there, you one of the keys is meditation. We recommend for everyone, if you're on this path, you should be meditating daily. It doesn't have to be a giant two-hour meditation. But it has to be consistent, and it has to be real. You can't be meditating while you're driving or walking. In meditation, you are in the stillness. You're withdrawing from life for the moment, active life, that is. 
and you're getting into your inner self. And you can actually draw on spiritual power. And then if you live it, that's another way. So for example, in the auric field, the energy of confidence, those people who feel confident, comes through in this beautiful gold light. If you have a lot of gold light in your aura, you're, you're a doer. You're, you're definitely not a sitter. You know, <laughs> but let's say I need to, you know, ask for that raise at my job and I just don't have the guts to do it. I keep chickening out, if I'm being honest with myself, but I just don't, I know I earned it. I should be having it, but I don't have the guts to go in there and literally ask for the raise. So in my aura, I'd be probably lacking some of that gold light. Now, if I draw in the gold light through meditation, and then I say, now I better get in there and do it for God's sakes. Not only will I notice I might have more uh, confidence to do it, but that gold now starts to become a part of me. And now I will notice I'll have confidence in other things. And that, again, is elevating the auric field, and that is evolving my soul. So by you, 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 you meditate, but you have to live the truth you're calling upon. And as you do that, it becomes wisdom. And then that's what evolves the soul. So we can't, we have to learn our lessons. That's why we should not, um, you know, some people think, gee, you know what, this life is too harsh. I just want to be in my spiritual bubble. No, the, you know, the very challenge of life is your opportunity. You are finding the divine, not by getting away from life, but by participating in it and facing the challenges of life. I love it that the Chinese symbol for crisis and opportunity is the same character. So a crisis is an opportunity if seen in the right way. So face the challenges of the life. You have, you have what it takes to make it work. You just got to apply yourself and you will feel much more confident. I, I love Barbo used to say, do you want to be the master or the victim of your own life? If you start playing the role of the victim, oh me, oh, the problem is here. Oh, the problem is here. Oh, I got the short end of the lollipop. I got the, you know, you're playing the role of the victim. Take responsibility for your life. If it's not exactly where you want it to be right now, figure out how you want to change it and roll up your sleeves and get out there and do it. And that is the key to spiritual evolution. Wow. I am thrilled with what you said. And I, I, I can feel this tugging on me. Like, <laughs> I, I'm like, yes. Yeah. yeah. And it's fun too, right? It makes it an adventure. Then life is, becomes, it's not boring anymore, but not that it was necessarily, but it becomes an adventure. The big things, the little things are an adventure. I don't have to go to Hawaii to that adventure. I can do it right here. Of course, Hawaii is fun to go to too. But <laughs> well, my daughter's there. I could say oh, hi. Oh, <laughs> wow. Does she live there? Yeah, she does. Hi, hi, Jenny. I love you. Oh, which <laughs> island is she on? <laughs> the, the big island. Oh, yeah. good for her. Well, they're letting people yeah. on there now again, I guess. Huh? <laughs> <It's not Well>, off. <laughs> if you behave yourself, I don't know if we can, but <laughs> sometimes we pretend, don't we, Dimitri? Yeah. Um, I love what you said. So, be the be. Are you going to be the master or the victim of your own life? I love that so much. Yeah. Um, we're going to take a station break, but you know, a lot of the things that you said actually kind of fit uh, synchronistically into some of the things I was saying at the in the astrology check in about this time is really kind of calling us. You know, it's calling us, and I think many people listening, you've been feeling that deeper calling of the heart, and that's the higher calling yeah and so we're we are here to 
kind of step up our game a little bit, I think. So we're we're going to take a break. Uh, please don't go away. We're, we've got so much more to cover with D Dimitri Moraitis, his book, Heaven and Your Spiritual Evolution. So we're going to take a little station break. We'll be right back. Energy is powerful. It's all around us, mysterious, full of potential. Directing positive healing energy to raise your vibrational rate through Reiki can change your life. Reiki master Loretta Brown has relieved stress, sadness, anger, and even helped clients lose weight, stop smoking, and end sleep disorders. Worldwide, people have sought out Reiki Oasis. If you want help with your dis-ease, visit ReikiOasis.com. Harness life's energy. Visit ReikiOasis.com today. We are the physicians, the nurses, the hospital and health system leaders. All we ask of you is to take three simple steps proven to stop the spread of COVID. Wear a cloth face mask, maintain social distance, and wash your hands. Scientific evidence must shape our decisions, dictate our actions, and protect our health. We are not powerless. Together, we will defeat COVID. This has been a message from the American Hospital Association, the American Medical Association, and the American Nurses Association. Alternative Talk 1150, here to uplift your day. Welcome back to the original Loretta Brown Show with your host, me, Loretta Brown. <laughs> you can find out more about me at RayKOasis.com or at the KKNW, uh, the original Loretta Brown Show. And of course, all, all the shows are, are archived. You can find them in the KKNW archives and also podcast. Uh, one, Spotify, iTunes, Audible, we're all over the place. And the YouTubes are also at the 1150 uh, YouTube site. So my guest today, Dimitri Moraitis, his newest book, Heaven and Your Spiritual Evolution, A Mystic's Guide to the Afterlife and Reaching Your Highest Potential. During the break, we were talking about what is about the word hermetic. And uh, Dimitri, if you could just kind of finish up that thought for us. Yeah, well, you know, it's important because one of the things to, to realize is that metaphysical traditions are not self-created in other words we didn't kind of create these ideas we we're kind of the the mediums or the channels or the emissaries of them so there are traditions that come in that the divine brings in and then the metaphysical expressions are born of that so the hermetic sciences yeah is one of the most ancient of those traditions the ones that we have focused a lot in the book is called the kingdom of light tradition which does start with the Hebrew mystics. But again, they're all, there is sort of this beautiful emerging, not only interest in metaphysics, but sort of a new era in metaphysical understanding, period. Uh, as the higher has been saying, there's never been a better time to grow spiritually than today. And there's never been more opportunities than today. So that's why you want to do everything you can to follow the path that you had. Yeah, I mean, when Barbara was studying at 11, you know, uh, evidently, they, Dorothy had these handwritten manuscripts on the Hermetic, and unfortunately, these are not things you can buy on Amazon. Um, but they very clearly showed, like you know, the auric fields and the interpretation of them and the spiritual worlds. So these things were understood, but they were generally kept sort of secret. And the reason Dorothy let her know is because she could see the talent in Barbara. No one else knew what Dorothy could do. They thought she was this brilliant. She had a theater stock company, 
that was her day job, but she was the secret agent woman, <laughs> had this inner side to her, but she saw it in Barbara and she wanted to help Barbara, you know, understand what was going on because no one around her could, could follow what was happening to her. Yeah, I, I'm thinking when you're talking um, about, yeah, we are expanding, something is happening right now on planet Earth, I'll say, where uh, I do feel like there is a, a reemergence of interest in in spiritual things, I'll say, metaphysical things. And um, there is, uh, I think, a, a higher calling yeah. for, for many people right now. I think your teachings and your books and everything are, uh, I think everybody should just get them and take a look at them. Um, you said something earlier, and I want to kind of go back to it, um, because we were talking about the um, aura, we're talking about the light, the divine light, right. and that when you die, you kind of go to a place that's, I'm going to say matches that or is equivalent right. to that. Right. So can you talk about um, reincarnation? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. One of the interesting things or challenges of the book is, you know, if you're writing a book on the aura, everything's focused on the aura. If you're talking about karma, everything's focused on karma. But if you're focusing on spiritual growth, you have to weave several pieces together. So yes, the aura is one thing you have to weave, that you have this power that's fueling everything. But you also have to weave in the understanding you're not doing it on your own. So the angels are helping you. I love the expression of the Talmud for every blade of grass. There's an angel bending over saying, grow you know, so that you're, even if you think you're doing it on your own, or gosh, I'm being neglected, no one's paying attention to me. No, the divine is still there with you. So stay connected. But the other big key is you can't do it all in a single life. No matter how good a life you have, no matter how much you accomplish in this life, it's not enough to go from ground zero all the way to the heaven worlds. It's like saying, I did the best job in kindergarten. I was the best kindergarten student ever you're not quite ready for your PhD just yet. You still got to go through the stages. And reincarnation is that opportunity to let our soul come back to earth multiple times, to experience, to learn, to enrich ourselves. We've been you know, living in all parts of the world. We've been male, we've been female, we've been rich, we've been poor. We've gone through it all and are going through it because that's what's enriching the soul. And that's what's helping to evolve. So what the other big key in the book we say is, okay, it's not a matter of if you're going to get to heaven, we're all going to get there. It's just a matter of when, <laughs> you know, when am I going to, okay, if I'm going to grow there, it's kind of like the kids says, when am I going to be grown up? You know, <laughs> when am I going to be that? We all want to be sometimes do it faster than it takes to get there. But what we do want to know is, okay, it may or may not be the goal of this life to get to the heaven worlds, but I have a potential for this life. So if this is my starting point here, and this is the end point, where am I in the journey? And right. how far can I travel in that journey? So you want to hit what we call your spiritual potential. Because not only do we come in, are we supposed to leave this earth better than the way we found it? We're supposed to leave this earth at a higher level of consciousness than when we started. So if you hit your potential for this lifetime, whatever that is for you, then you've had a completely successful life. And there is nothing more enjoyable than that. There's no earthly delight that can, you know, top completing what you came here to do. So that means also organizing your life. Because sometimes we get distracted. We do all these things that are really not essential, right? 
look at what's happening in the workforce now after this pandemic. People are reassessing. Am I really doing something that's really enriching me? I've been just chug, 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 chug. But now they're asking deeper questions. And you want to ask those questions because life is precious. I, you know, Rudyard Kipling's poem, if you can fill the unforgiving minute with 60 seconds worth of distance run, yours is the earth and everything that's in it. We've got to make this time count. We're not here forever. And so if you drop away the things that are peripheral, let's say if you asked yourself, if I had only time to do one thing right now, what would that be? Or two things, what are the most important things in your life? And are you giving yourself enough time to do that with all the distractions? I love uh, Steve Jobs' line, I have to say no a thousand times to the one thing I have to say yes to. And we do have to be strong that way. Yeah, I, I, I just, what you just said, um, because yeah, the, through the last couple of years with people being at home and not being able to go to work, I mean, I could almost write a book on the the phases of the ups and downs that I've observed with people. Yeah. And and many, many people have shared with me, you know, Loretta, I'm not doing what I what really makes my heart happy. Or it's really great to be home with the kids as opposed yeah. to, well, <laughs> yeah, sometimes they drive me nuts, but you know, I'm there. So yeah, a lot of people are reevaluating. Reevaluating. How, how wonderful that that's happening. Yeah. yeah, maybe you should take a note of that because we really have to do what's important. Yeah. And by the way, what's important doesn't always have to have the word spiritual on it. For goodness sakes, raising children, that's your, your child's going to be a child for, you know, for a certain period of time. And that's it. And the impression you're going to give your children as a parent is going to stay with them for the rest of their life. So how can that not be a holy endeavor? How can that not be crucially important? Yeah, so, yeah it doesn't have to be the word spiritual. You can you bring your light to everything that you do and raising family or being a good parent or a spouse or whatever it is. As long as you're putting your heart, like you say, into what you do, then that will, you know, it's what it was Mother Teresa said, it's not what you do that counts, it's the love that you put in what you do that counts. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah, like those that pie that grandma used to make, and I don't know. That love was the extra ingredient, <laughs> right? You know what I mean? Yeah. Isn't that funny how even with food, if something's done out of love, it literally tastes better. <laughs> it does. It tastes better. You can taste the love. So I've got a couple of questions. Uh, the first one is, is there an appointed time for us to die then? Um, well, the saying I've been told is, you know, every hair on the head is counted. So while there is a, a, a time, of course, they don't tell us that. And it doesn't mean that we don't sometimes die prematurely. That can happen. We live in a physical world, and accidents do happen. Uh, interestingly enough, if, if it was our time to die, let's say even as a child, maybe karmically I was meant to die young. Some people don't have like a childhood disease or something that takes them. If they have died at their appointed, they'll spend time on the other side. They'll have a whole life over there. If they've died prematurely, and this happens a lot in wartime, if they were, if their life was cut short, then my understanding is they reincarnate very quickly. And uh -huh. I, then, yeah. there's a book I think that's been written about all these children after World War II that were born, and they're bringing back these childhood memories of you know the horrors of a war that they weren't technically part of. So they were obviously souls that had gone through some of the horrors. I mean, we're talking about millions and millions of people that died in that time. Um, and yes, sometimes that happens. 
So, uh, but death, as you said from the very beginning, is nothing to be afraid of. It's a natural part of life. You're going through, it's like literally from one country to another. You just want to make sure you're doing the best you can right now. Yes, there's a beautiful life on the other side. Everything that's here is there. And then some, it's not fantasy land. It's not a uh, dreamland. It's not this amorphous. There are aspects of the other side that are so much like here. You may not even think you died. And yeah, there are other parts that are more, you know, divine, angelic. You can, some realms, you can do that beautiful float walking where the power of the mind over the body. This just, it's not a, it's not a, again, a fantasy. It's just the laws of nature take on this extraordinary dimensions and the higher up you go. And it does just become a more beautiful experience. One of my own personal, very early experiences there it wasn't so much the play, the place was beautiful, but it was the ambience. The divine ambience was so strong. Uh, I was on a high for three days. And I understood why they don't want you to do this often, because you would want to stay there more often, you know, but, but it gave you inspiration to say, you know, make this life count. I mean, when people have had life changing out of body, they're different people. You know, they stopped drinking or they stopped. I mean, this woke them up and said, there is a greater life. I mean, if people truly live this life with the understanding there's a greater life and there's accountability for what we do here, we would live this life very differently. I mean, as a, as a society than we are right now. So, uh, no, we will, we will, this is a whole other subject with karma, but, you know, we, we are accountable for everything we do here. And we do go before the Lords of Karma on the other side when we cross over. And they show the Book of Life. And we see everything we did in living color, not as we remembered it, but as it actually happened. <laughs> wow. so, so let's just try to do a good job while we can now. So we're ready. We want them to say job well done. That's what we want them to say. On to your next adventure. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm thinking when you're talking, you know, I've had some uh, near-death experiences and also, you know, like I'm, I'm, I'm kind of trying to figure out how to ask this question really for the listeners. Um, what is the difference between, for instance, a near-death experience, a visiting of heaven, yeah. you know, well, a actual dying, you yeah. know what I'm saying? Well, you're, that's a really good question, Loretta, because they are different. Everything you just said is a different experience. It's not all the same. So, because um, somebody asked, well, how do you know? You know, you've never, right. how do you know there's a great beyond if you haven't died? Right. You know, how, how do you really know? So, um, so there's several things. Now, there have been millions of out, reported out-of-body experiences, especially, let's say, if someone's been under on the operating table and they describe in great detail, you know, because they see what was happening. So there's no question there's been a lot of documentation of consciousness operating out of the body. Now, sometimes in trauma, the body can just sort of get pushed out. It's not even really travel. It's just you get pushed out, so to speak, temporarily. You're still alive. You're still attached to the body. But that's why some people that have been in car accidents or something like that, they talk about how they were thrown out of their body and they were watching mm -hmm. their own form there. It, that is a trauma. That wasn't. That's not really a healthy thing to do necessarily. But you know, it, it is, <laughs> don't do this at home. <laughs> don't do this at home. Yeah. <laughs> but it does. It does happen. You know. 
Now, right. these enlightening out-of-body experiences where they feel like, oh, I was taken to this heavenly place, I saw my grandfather, I saw my... Those are carefully prepared experiences that are giving certain blessings to certain people. Now, you may say, why did they get it, not me? I don't know the answer to that. But that is a planned preparation. The other side is giving you that experience. It's not just happening. Now, the other thing is some people do have the volition, the literal will to be able to go out of their body. And they have learned, or it's a talent they have, to what we call project themselves out of their body and travel to different places on earth, not necessarily the other side, but on earth. And it can be a little intoxicating to do that. We have recommended not to do that because it is dangerous. There's a lot of crazy stuff there. A woman I knew, she liked to do that until one time she was trying to come back into a body and she saw another spirit trying to futz with that body <laughs> you know, while she was out of it. And she said, never again, I'm not doing that again. You know, so uh, there are dangers involved. Now, the other one, and which is really based on this book, is it's not just a planned out-of-body experience, but it is that ability to consciously go to the inner worlds, escorted by the divine. Every example that was given in the book of Barbara's experiences, she wasn't doing this on her own. She was escorted there. She was supported there the whole time, and then they brought her back. And this is an ancient mystical tradition. You know, uh, when Max Heidel was chosen to, to be the Rosicrucian mystic by the Holy Ones, they would take him to the Rosicrucian temple on the other side, and he started to get some of his instructions there, and then he would bring them back. They, they would bring him back. And a lot of that work does happen. You, you touched upon it before we started the show today, uh, when we sleep. You know, med- I mean, we mentioned meditation is really important, but also when you sleep, often you're closer to the spiritual worlds at that time than any other, because, of course, the active mind is quiet. You can receive many blessings from the inner worlds, and you can also be taken there occasionally, not, not every night necessarily, for blessings and refreshment and renewal. You know, sometimes we say, hey, I really got to sleep on this. Sometimes we really do, because <laughs> we actually really are going over there, and we come back next morning, we say, I got it. I know what has to happen now. And that was a memory from the inner worlds of a blessing that you received. Yeah. <laughs> I'm giggling because um, I used to uh, do all my math that way. Like oh, I couldn't goodness. figure stuff out and I just say, <laughs> I'll sleep on it. I woke up in the morning with all the answers, right? Oh, wow. Good for you. Good for you. <laughs> People are like, how'd you do that, Loretta? I'm like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> um, what happens when children die? Um, that's also fascinating. The first thing we do have to realize is there are full adult souls in those child bodies okay so it might be a child body and a childlike consciousness as the mind is kind of developing but the soul is not a child so there's a full power in there now if the child dies early either prematurely as or as part of some karmic plan um they do cross over as children on the other side and they do have to continue the growing period over there Now, there's no, obviously, families as we think of it here, because there's no procreation on the other side in the same way that there is here. But there are, shall we call them foster parents? So there are souls that take them in. So for example, let's say there was 
some people on earth that really wanted to have children, but just didn't have the opportunity in this life. And they've crossed over. Well, maybe they'll have the opportunity to be like a foster parent to one of these astral children, because the, the soul so has to grow up in that astral body uh, to, to, shall we say, an adult. So there's always, you know, we're lovingly taken care of on the other side. Yeah. And there is this, as we are here, really, and there is, you know, we say this in the current book, there is justice, even what appears to be an unjust world. I know sometimes it really looks like this thing is just upside down, you know, and maybe there is something off center, but the divine always has a way of bringing it back into balance. And if there's been, let's say, long suffering here or difficulties, they work with you a lot on the other side and they help you. For example, about the World War II thing, I remember when we wrote the book, we asked, well, what about all those people that, you know, died in things like concentration camps and things? I mean, were they paying back karma? I mean, that's millions of people. And the answer was maybe some were, but no, others, it was just a horrible experience. But to help balance it out, those that died so heinously, evidently their karma was exonerated for that life. So they burned it out a different way. So the life had value. The incarnation had value, even though it was a very, very unimaginably difficult life. So we can't always understand it from our human eyes. We have to open the eyes of compassion and see this the way the divine sees it. And we will, again, have a different attitude on life. Yeah, I was, I was thinking when you were talking, um, you know, um, I have a lot of people on my show. And I remember Amit Goswami told me one time, and he said, Loretta, we have two worlds. We have this one up here. And this one down here, right? And the views are different, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> right? Yeah. So, yeah, I think sometimes we get our nose so close to the events that we forget that if we pull back a little bit, there is a perfection in that that maybe we don't yeah. always understand, especially if it's wrapped in in trauma or pain, right? Exactly. Yeah. If trauma or pain is an experience. It's not who we are. We have to recognize that we are a soul. That soul is precious, it's immortal, it's divine, and it cannot be anything else but that. And if I can see that in you, and you can see that in me, and we can come from a place of true compassion, then the veil, you know, we kind of start to see through the veil. Mother Teresa said, you know, I see the face of Christ in everyone I help. She meant that. I mean, not in necessarily the literal world, of, but she could see the divine spark. And she mm -hmm. knew some of those people were not going to be saved, but she told the doctors that try to do more medical. Says, no, I'm, I'm here to give them their dignity. When you uh -huh. see somebody for who they really are, you're helping them to recognize themselves. And that is enormous. And that's how God sees us. You know, it doesn't see us as children. God sees us first as those precious immortal sparks going through the experiences of life. And that gives us a different perspective. Yeah. Yeah. I have like a million questions and I, I'm watching the time. Could you touch on soulmates and the mystic marriage in like two minutes? Oh my goodness. <laughs> well, I don't know how much. Those are two. Uh... <laughs> or take one of those. I, yeah. I know that's a big well, by challenge. By the way, both right? are in the book. So get the book <laughs> and we can cover that. But um, well, one of the most, talking a little bit about soulmates that one of the things we discuss in the book is we may have been born physically as a body but our soul comes from the highest spiritual realm there is and was born of the divine and we were these infants in the 
in the kingdom of God. And we, this whole pilgrimage is our opportunity to grow and evolve so that we return back to that kingdom, not as infants, but as spiritually mature. And God, at the beginning, basically paired us up with another soul, a perfectly independent soul of their own, on their own evolutionary path, but in beautiful harmony and synchronicity with us, so that we'd have companionship on the journey, and that we would not be alone, shall we say, as we go through this. Now, this doesn't mean we spend all the time with our soulmate. One of the things, we do a whole workshop on soulmate, it's such a big topic, but a very key nutshell is and I hope this doesn't disappoint anybody here, but generally our soulmate is not on earth at the same time as we. It's kind of like if your beloved was at school with you all day long, you probably get distracted from your studies. You, know? <laughs> you, know? you think? <laughs> yeah. 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 So they're there supporting you from the other side. And then when you go there, they're the reunions, but then they go down and you support them. They're there, and by the way, they, they're not jealous if you get married and you have kids. They're encouraging it. And so the bottom line is rather right now than looking for that perfect person, look for how you are perfecting yourself with the person you're with. Oh, there we go. Those are the soulmates entering heaven. Yeah. 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 You will have plenty of time for those beautiful reasons. Right now, I love Socrates when the, they, the, you know, he had this very cantankerous wife, evidently, through would throw things at him all the time. And the disciples would say, well, why do you stay with her? And she said, well, if I can live with her, I can live with anybody. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Anyway, yeah, we are down to like the last minute or something. A very, very short period of time left. Um, I have so enjoyed this. I have 85 questions. Dimitri, I literally could talk to you all day. I, I really, really oh, I'd be can. happy so, if we could do another one at another time. Yeah. 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 Uh, tell us a little bit about your uh, Spiritual Arts um, Institute and where to find the book and that yes. sort of thing. So, yes, Heaven and Your Spiritual Evolution, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, your local bookshop. Support your local bookshop. We got to keep those bookshops alive, you know. So they really need your help right now. They've been through it with the pandemic at this time. Um, and um, with our other books are there as well, Karma Reincarnation, Heaven, uh, uh, Communing with the Divine, Healing Power of Your Aura, and Change Your Aura, Change Your Life. Our, our institute, Spiritual Arts Institute, you can find us at spiritualarts.org. We are in here in Southern California, but we have these online, cl- we were doing online long before the, the Zoom era started, you know. Um, and it's a wonderful time to study metaphysics. It's, we have workshops and classes. I, I, I mentioned, you know, metaphysics is a yep. little bit like learning yeah. an instrument. You know? Yeah. So thank you so much. My guest today, Dimitri Moraitis. This is Loretta Brown. Go be safe, be filled with love and blessings to everybody. Thank you so much.